Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm by myself today. Across from me is an empty chair. I feel like I'm saying that just more and more these days, but Charlie's been really busy, and so that's totally fine. Luckily, today is Dumb Bleep of the Week, where we go through 10, it seems to be 10 these days, really, really dumb things that were said or that happened over the week, not counting the things that we've already talked about throughout the week, so sometimes maybe something we talked about should have already been in there, but we try to save the dumbest stuff for Fridays. And so it makes it easy when you're by yourself, when you just have these 10 different things that we have to go through. So like I said, we have 10 on the list. If this is your first time listening, just know normally I would say greater than 50% of the time, the podcast is myself and my longtime best friend, Charles Chuck Thompson. He's not here today, but go back and listen to something where we were both on there, but we're happy to have you smash that follow, smash that subscribe do all those great things to make sure that you see our new episodes every day of the week when we want to. I reckon we're just going to get right into the list because there's plenty of things to talk about. So we're going to go on right here with number one from Elizabeth Warden Warren, the chief Warden Warren over here. Now, I know what you're thinking. What's up with this charger thing, this this universal charger thing? Why do we spend so much time talking about Europe deciding that they were going to go towards the USB-C as their universal charger? That's just problems they're having over there in Europe. We don't need to worry about that. But the thing is, that kind of ideology tends to leak around the world, especially when it's really dumb, like this particular idea. And Warden Warren is over here deciding that well, you know what? We all need to have a standard uniform charger for our smartphone, our cellular devices, for everything. Just whatever charger. And she didn't specifically say USB-C, by the way. Um, the answer is going to be whichever company decides to pay her the most, probably. That's the one that they're going to go with. But it's probably going to be USB-C if they decided to do that. So anyway, Elizabeth Warren says here in a tweet, Consumers shouldn't have to keep buying new chargers all the time for different devices. We can clear things up with uniform standards for less expense, less hassle, and less waste. Just must not be very many super important pressing issues for people in the Senate to work on. They've got plenty of time over there. Nothing else that's important to everyone. You know, when people wake up on a daily basis, the main thing that they are worried about is having to deal with multiple chargers for their devices. That's the issue. 
I'm also wondering, I don't like, are any of you guys carrying around different chargers for all your different devices? Like what? I have a lot of devices. What is it that we're carrying around having to charge with different stuff all the time? Can someone let me know? What, what is, what are the different chargers that you need to take around? I've got an iPhone and I've got laptops and stuff. I mean, what, what is it? I just need the charger for my phone, my AirPods. They take the same charger as my iPhone. Anyway, from USA Today, here's the article. A trio of U.S. senators is urging support for universal charging standard for smartphones and mobile devices after the European Union recently agreed on new rules. Senators Edward Markey, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders are pressing for a plan to tackle the lack of a universal charger. You've got a right to a universal charger. By the way, it's probably in the Constitution right next to abortion, which they say creates a financial burden for consumers and creates more electronic waste. Quote, We cannot allow the consumer electronics industry to prioritize proprietary and inevitably obsolete charging technology over consumer protection and environmental health. Okay. So to prioritize proprietary and inevitably obsolete charging technology. Do you know what they do when the charging technology is obsolete? That's probably because they've created a new technology and then it becomes obsolete. No one's forcing me to use my 30 pin iPhone charger anymore. They moved on to a new one because this one isn't obsolete. Anyway, the senators did not specify the type of charging standard commerce officials should consider as part of the plan. Lawmakers cite money spent by consumers on various chargers for different products and waste created when obsolete chargers are tossed out as reasons for pushing to require a universal standard. Like we said when we were talking about the thing in the EU, can we have a little bit of gratitude for the fact that we've made it to the point where you've got so many different electronic devices that the problem the Senate needs to tackle or the Commerce Department they need to tackle is that they should all have universal cables to connect magically to charge them or to your other devices. That's really a, that's a really big problem we have. The rules cover smartphones, tablets, earbuds, headphones, and portable speakers, among others. In the EU, they've got to switch by fall 2024, and that's for the USB-C type cable. More devices have shifted to USB-C to recharge, but one of the most popular devices, the iPhone, still uses Apple's exclusive VIP lightning connector to recharge. Okay, so first off, people like Warren and Sanders and Markey also apparently very, they don't like all these choices. AOC's kind of said some of the same stuff before Bernie Sanders uh, famously talking about all this different deodorant that we have. It's a big issue that we've got probably toothpaste and shoes and just too many different options on everything. What we need is one government standard. One government standard cable. There's also other, there's alternatives in the market. By the way, a wireless charger will charge both my iPhone and a a Galaxy or whatever the crazy droid people use. I don't don't know what phones are out there. So you could have wireless charge. Like, here's how far behind the U.S. government is. They start mandating specific cables while the industry itself is moving away from cables altogether. They're moving to cloud everything. It's not like you're having to connect your cable to something so you can upload stuff to your phone or or download it from your phone or anything like that. 
charging wirelessly. We're working on stuff where you can charge wirelessly without it even sitting on the thing. It could be in a close enough proximity, which sounds safe. Uh, it, and the government, now they come in and they say, well, we're going we're gonna to mandate that everyone has to use the same charger. That's how far behind they are. Imagine also how far behind they will be when there is a new technology that's better than USB-C. We don't know that USB-C is just the best cable that's ever going to be invented and nothing better is ever going to happen. But if they set a standard that says USB-C standard cable, like what the EU is doing, then how hard is it going to be for us to switch to whatever the new cable is? Those companies are going to spend all that time lobbying Congress to get them to change it to their new cable that they're switching towards. Of course, the company that switches to that new cable first, those are the ones that are really going to be pressing Congress to get everyone to switch over to their new cable that the other companies don't have the technology for yet. It's, it's a giant mess, and what it's going to do, like it normally does, like what the government always does, is they're going to fix us at a moment in time where there won't be any more innovation after that, or maybe there will be, but it's going to be much, much slower than what it would have been otherwise. Now, that's why this is important. It's not just about the charging cables. It's also about all the other things that the government touches and that the government mandates that we end up using. They slow down innovation in all of those markets, not just in charging cables. It's a really good thing, by the way, that Elizabeth Warren didn't decide that everyone needed to use the micro USB and that we needed to set that as a standard. You know, that little weird, oddly shaped cable that we used for a long time. Or the Apple 30-pin crazy cable that they had, that everyone would have had to use that. How hard would it have been to switch over to something else? So, yeah, this is dumb. That's why it's dumb bleep number one from Elizabeth Warren. And really, it's got Bernie Sanders and and Marky attached to it as well. Let's do some more important things. Of course, I don't really want them to set their sights on anything else. If anything, I guess this is good news because it's something that doesn't matter that much, like all the other stuff that they could try to come in and mess up. So that's dumb bleep number one. Let's move on to dumb bleep number two. Now we're going to stick on Elizabeth Warren here for a minute because she had some words to say about these uh, evil, evil, terrible places known as pregnancy crisis centers. Crisis pregnancy centers, sorry. They're very, very dangerous places. You see, what, what they do is they entice women who are in a crisis because they're pregnant to come in there, and these women, they think that they're going to get an abortion. And what these centers do as when the woman walks in and she's like, I would like an abortion for one, please. What they do is they take the woman and they chain her in a room and they stick a feeding tube in her and they make her stay there for nine months to make sure that she has the baby. So they are pretty dangerous places and I don't agree with what these places do at all. But no, of course, that's not what they actually do. So, by the way, this tweet, uh, the tweet here made a good point from Robert Hasler, and I think maybe this was retweeted and I found it because of Brad Palumbo. Maybe give him credit on that one. The conversation went from, quote, pro-lifers don't do enough to support babies and mothers to, to, quote, pro-lifers do not do too much and must be stopped. 
Now, what these places actually do is they do try to talk you out of having an abortion. That is true. And these are mostly ran by charities, churches. Uh, they, when you come in there and you're kind of wanting to get an abortion, they try to talk you out of it. There's also the other things that they do, which is like help you out. They can give you a car seat. They can give you some clothes and give you some counseling, give you some information on what you need to go through. Real terrible, dangerous uh dangerous establishments that we're going to have to stop. And uh, busy, busy bully Elizabeth Warren is very concerned about this. Let's hear from her real fast. Senator Warren also taking aim at pregnancy crisis centers. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. She says women walk into the centers believing they'll get abortions. Instead, they try to talk women out of it. She calls it a bait and switch. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. Okay. Well, um, that's that sounds like a great idea. They're g- These are people who wish you harm. The harm is they're going to try and talk you out of killing your baby. They'll also help you set up an adoption, get on an adoption plan if you want to do that. Very, uh, very terrible places. And they outnumber legit abortion centers by three to one. This is a this is an epidemic. This is a pan- Honestly, the CDC needs to, needs to get involved in this whole crisis pregnancy center thing. This must be stopped. You can't you can't try and talk women out of getting abortions. Now. I made the joke earlier that they force you to have the baby. That's not it. What they do is they give you a bunch of information. No doubt they make you, they, you probably, here's my imagination. You walk in and there's just a, you walk in and there's just a bunch of pictures of babies, stuff like that. You probably have women in there that had abortions that regret it or women that were going to and decided not to and are very happy about that decision that they made. I'm sure it's something like that. I have, no clue though. I'm just I'm just making that up. Maybe there's like a daycare center right when you walk. You have to walk through the daycare center that's got all the babies in it, and only the happy baby. One starts crying. They take it out to the back room. They only want like happy, laughing, joyful babies up there at the front that you have to uh, walk through. So very dangerous places, of course. And this must be stopped. Doing the Lord's work up there, wherever she is, Massachusetts. Right now. So that's dumb bleep number two. These Goldern Crisis Pregnancy Centers, man. We got to get rid of them from Elizabeth Warren. Okay, dumb bleep number three. Now that we're talking about abortion and babies and stuff like that, the EU Parliament has voted to condemn the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They are very upset. And they haven't had a chance to virtue signal in a while. I mean, we got... Russia invading Ukraine, and we get the virtue signal about that. Um, you know, now we need to make sure that er, that we're positioning ourselves as a group of people who really care about women, and we need all of our constituents to know that we really care about all the women. There's a couple issues there, and the fact that basically in the EU, you know, each country is able to set its own abortion rules. Some of them have had it completely. Outlaw, though we were just talking about Germany in the private group. They have it at 12 weeks. I believe France is at 14 weeks. And so these countries, these separate members inside of the EU, they're able to set their own rules. 
But they had to come together to vote to condemn the Supreme Court, saying that the states inside of the U.S. should be able to set their own rules on stuff. The European Parliament voted 324 to 155 to condemn the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade and demand that abortion rights be enshrined in the EU's Fundamental Rights Charter. You see, they don't actually have it enshrined in theirs either. But they get together to condemn what the United States did, which was basically move themselves to the level of what the EU actually is, where the different members inside of that body get to make whatever their abortion rules are. You guys, uh, you guys picking up what I'm putting down here? In the resolution, European MEPs expressed their solidarity with American women and girls and called for the U.S. Congress to pass federal protections for abortion, according to a European Parliament press release, when the European Parliament hasn't actually passed any type of fundamental right to abortion itself, and each country is able to set its own rules on abortion. Yeah, maybe just stick to your uh, stick to your countries over there. You got plenty of countries to worry about, and uh, we'll we'll do our thing. I'm pretty sure that I don't know about the rules of war, but once you win a war, you don't have to listen to the country that you won the war against anymore. And we haven't needed to care what they think for over a couple hundred years now. And that's basically my position on the whole thing. It is annoying though, and that's why it definitely fits. It definitely fits for Dumbleep. Number three. All right. How about number four, though? What do we got? We're talking about Roe v. Wade. We're talking about women's rights. Let's move on to Michael Moore. You guys remember Michael Moore? Unfortunately, he's still here. (laughs) I mean, I'd like it better if he would actually move somewhere else. That's what I meant by that. Michael Moore. Here's his tweet. A mass shooting to celebrate the 4th. A wealthy class that doubled its wealth while the country suffered. A Supreme Court that stripped 51% of our citizens of their reproductive rights while removing gun laws and killing the EPA. And then he has a declaration at michaelmoore.com. But let's just go through the tweet real quick. A wealthy class that doubled its wealth while the country suffered. That is true. They, they did double their wealth from the very bottom of the pandemic, of course. Uh, that, that's, that, that little caveat right there from the very bottom depends on where you pull. Uh, so they doubled their wealth. What about now, though? So this, they do this weird thing where, okay, this thing happened. They doubled their wealth from the March 18th, the very bottom of the pandemic. They doubled their wealth. And then that gets stuck on their mind, right? It's like an argument that you've had with a spouse before or something like you can't accept that <laughs> the situation's different now. This is over. I just told you that this isn't the case anymore. Why are we still talking about this? But anyway, some people know what I'm talking about. Some people don't. Uh, they doubled their wealth while the country suffered. What about right now, though? So here's like a popular Huffington Post article from that doubled their wealth time. U.S. billionaires grew wealth by over $1.3 trillion in the past year of the coronavirus pandemic from the Huffington Post over the past year of the coronavirus pandemic. And that stays in the little socialist, communist, crazy person mind. And it doesn't matter what new information is provided. It's either driven by hate and envy 
And so they only remember the things that feed the hate and the envy. They won't take in any new information afterwards. And so how about this one from Bloomberg last week? Richest billionaires lose $1.4 trillion in the worst half ever. And we had the first half of the year was about the worst half we've had for the U.S. stock market. It wasn't ever. I believe it was the worst since uh, since the early 70s. But anyway, it was bad. Uh, Zuckerberg, he's back down to like COVID lows right now. Uh, Musk has lost a lot of money. Uh, Amazon is back down below where they were before the coronavirus pandemic happened, before the lockdowns happened. He's back down there. That new information doesn't matter, though. You see, there's this thing I was mad about. It was true for about a year. But unfortunately, time keeps moving and things change, but you can't make that adjustment anymore. No doubt they're still doing better than they were beforehand. They probably cashed out some gains during that time. I just wanted to point out how dumb that is. Okay, so he makes this statement. He makes this declaration. Let's talk about his declaration real quick. A few main points in here. Point number one, real upset. I refuse to live in a country threatened by white supremacy. I refuse to live in a country threatened by white supremacy. Dash. And I'm not leaving. I refuse to live in a country threatened by white supremacy, and I'm not leaving. Okay. Point number two, I cannot in good conscience continue to receive the privileges of full citizenship in this land when all of its women and girls have now been, by court decree, declared official second-class citizens with no rights to their own bodies and conscripted to a life of forced birth should they fall pregnant and not want to be. No rights to their own bodies. Okay, that's weird. Declared official second-class citizens. You see, one of the main things the Supreme Court did was men are still allowed to get abortions. And it's only women that lost that right. But um, us men were, like, I just got one yesterday. There was no problem at all. They're like, are you a dude? I was like, yeah. They're like, okay, let's kill it. Number three, I demand an end to the mass incarceration of black Americans. Okay. Okay, that's cool. I like that. An end to police shooting black people. Not allowed to, sh you can't, cops, it doesn't matter what's happening. doesn't matter what happens. It's person's black, can't shoot them. They can do whatever they want. And I demand that reparations be made to the black community for all they currently have to suffer and endure. So now we've gone to demanding reparations. Now remember, he refuses to live in a country like this currently, but he's not leaving. So he demands that all these things happen. One of them being reparations. This is on his list of demands, or he's leaving, or else. Y'all better take this seriously. If we don't do these things, Michael Moore is going to leave. But wait, in that same statement, he says, I'm not leaving. That's a great way to make a demand, by the way. <laughs> That's a great way to make a demand. Honey, if you don't 
stop doing this, then I am gone. And I'm not leaving. So you better listen. That's a great, really great way to make demands. Just saying. Reparations be made to the black community for all they currently have to suffer and endure. Okay, we've we've given plenty of talk to the reparations conversation. Uh, there, I, I find no reason that a group of people who never owned slaves should be forced to give money to a group of people who were never slaves. All right. I insist we remove every single Republican from office in November. Every single one of them. The Republican Party has dismantled itself and its remaining elements now exist purely to overturn legitimate election results and overthrow the elected will of the vast majority of the American people. This must be halted without delay or equivocation. These are Michael Moore's demands or he is not leaving. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, that's it. Therefore, to make sure that the, these demands are met, he will do this until these demands are met or they're not. And he's still, he's going to do it regardless. It, uh, it doesn't matter. Until women's rights have been fully reinstated and their equal rights are enshrined in our Constitution, that means they have the same rights to abortion that men do. I will not shut up about this. Now, that's a threat. Until this is done, he's going to be super annoying. But he's always been super annoying, so I don't know. If you invite me to dinner, that's all I'm going to talk about. Have me over to your party, and it's going to be Dobbs, 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 and Dobbs. The, the three Ds of a, the four Ds of a Michael Moore conversation. And I won't stop until Roe is reinstated and 51% of Congress is female. See, Roe was a Supreme Court case. It's not like a law. <laughs> it needs to be reinstated. All right, this repeal of Roe that we just had, uh, they, it needs to be passed again. I will help to organize a massive get-out-the-vote drive amongst the millions who follow me on social media. Listen to my podcast. See, these are things he's never done before. He's never tried to push people towards leftist goals at all, but now he's going to start doing it. I will join with others to tour the country. No candidate will get our support unless they sign a pledge stating that they will vote to make Roe versus Wade the law of the land, make gerrymandering and voter suppression illegal, eliminate the filibuster, upgrade Obamacare to universal health care for all, pass strong gun control laws, and end the police executions and racist incarcerations of black citizens. I will lead a national strike in whatever form it needs to take. And if we want to see immediate change, watch what happens when we shut down even 10% of the country. All right, poof goes Wall Street. Sorry, I switched into my civil rights voice. I think it's pretty good, actually. I think that's one of my better voices. Okay, so Michael Moore is still, here's his demands. If you don't meet his demands, nothing's going to change. Uh, he's going to be really crazy until we do all of these left. Basically, Michael Moore just pledged to be an unhinged leftist. So nothing changed. Uh, I don't know, guys. That's dumb bleep number four. We kind of move. I think you all get the idea. Number five, while we're talking about women's rights, while we're talking about equality, 
let's get on to one of my other most favorite topics to endure on the podcast, and that is the unequal pay between women in sports and men in sports. Let's just talk about women's rights here for a minute. This is actually from like a week ago, but I just wanted to talk about it. This is from Abby Wambach on winning the ESPYs Icon Award and the pay gap between men's and women's pro sports. I don't know who Amy Wambach is. I looked her up and it has something to do with soccer. And there, right there, that reason is why she doesn't get paid what the people she's standing next to get paid. This was a little bit back at the 2016 ESPY Awards. She's standing next to Kobe Bryant and Peyton Manning. I don't know those names because they're men. I know those names because they're very popular sports figures that millions of people watch and know, or used to watch and know. Anyway, let's hear from her what she had to say about this. It's very sad. It is very sad. Where is she? Where is she? Hold on. There she is. Okay. Come on now. Let's get this conversation going. Knowing I left the game better than I found it, I'm as excited as I've ever been to see what's next. I remember feeling like that was amazing. That was a great bookend of my career. Why do I feel so pissed off? Why do I feel so angry right now? Because my career is done. And the three of us, we just got the same damn award. The same sweat, the same, the same sacrifice. Yet the three of us were walking into three very different retirements. May Kobe rest in peace, but no disrespect to Kobe or Peyton. They earned every single one of their dollars. My biggest concern was how I was gonna freaking find a new job to pay my mortgage. Okay, I, I sympathize with the situation. I do, I do sympathize with the situation. It's a long, hard career. One thing at the very end, she said, no disrespect to Kobe or Peyton. Those guys earned every single one of their dollars. Guess what, Abby? So did you. That's how this works. I'm very sorry about it. All right. One way to fix this a idea for women, if you're super worried about it, maybe have you thought about the idea that you could possibly be a man? And so just maybe you're a man. And so just go compete and play in the men's uh, sports leagues because they get paid more. So there you go. Problem solved, right? Problem totally solved. She says, we just got the same award. It's in the, it's the ESPYs, by the way. I mean, it's, those guys have other rewards also. The same sweat, the same sacrifice, yet the three of us were walking into three different retirements. I got bad news for you. The same sweat and the same sacrifice does not mean that you get paid the same amount. It does not. I worked really hard in my music career, worked my butt off. It's possible I worked more than a lot of really popular musicians did out there. But the compensation I received was very different compared to other ones. You know why? Because those other ones were filling up stadiums full of people that were paying a lot of money to go see them. 
the work I do right now. I work at least 12 hours a day, at least 12 hours a day, because I keep working when I go home on stuff too. Work really hard. Do I get paid the same amount that Ben Shapiro gets paid or that Joe Rogan gets paid? No, because there's different amounts of people showing up to see the show every day. And we appreciate every single one of you, but if you could please share the show with a friend, that would be great. Does that mean that I should receive the same amount that Joe Rogan did from Spotify? Our compensation from Spotify is extremely different. Very, very different. No, because your actual, the money that you receive is a reflection of the money that people were willing to pay to watch you do the thing that you were doing because that is the value that they received from what you were producing. What you were producing was the enjoyment of watching people play a game against each other and people decide that they're going to watch that. And if the same amount of people were watching her play, then it would be a completely different situation. We, she was in soccer and we did plenty, uh, we've done plenty of conversations about the differences between men's and women's soccer. Um, just for one small difference, uh, you know, the FIFA World Cup men's side brings in like $6 billion and the women's side brings in like $500 million. Just tiny difference. One really tiny difference right there. So anyhow, I'm getting sick of this conversation, but everyone just needs to think for a minute about this. You're not paid based on the amount of work that you put in. If that were the case, then the people out there doing drywall and new houses, they would be getting paid more than my wife, who's at home doing financial analysis for, for a big company. But that's not the case, okay? You get paid based on what other people are willing to pay for the service that you're offering. That's on you. If the women want to get paid the exact same amount, then they're... Gonna, you're going to have to grow the fan base. You're just going to have to do that, but that's not what it is. We just need to like mandate equal pay or something. I don't know. All right, let's go on. We were just talking about Supreme Court stuff and rights and all that. We skewed off to equal pay for women's sports. Very important thing, of course. Now we're going to move on to gun rights and to Illinois' governor. Illinois' Italian mob boss from Chicago of a governor, billionaire J.B. Pritzker, got all the dollars in Illinois, and he ate half of them. But he was out there talking about, uh, about gun rights, of course, and about the Founding Fathers, and about the Second Amendment, and about the fact that we have muskets. They have muskets back then when they wrote that. Of course, that's the only thing that they meant for people to have. So let's hear from him. Real fast. Where's JB? Where's the tab with JB on here? I think this guy might be thinking about running for president. Unless the whole running thing scares him away. Okay, that's the last fat thing I'm saying. Carried muskets, not assault weapons. And I don't think a single one of them would have said that you have a constitutional right to an assault weapon with a high-capacity magazine. One more time. Our founders carried muskets, not assault weapons. 
And I don't think a single one of them would have said that you have a constitutional right to an assault weapon with a high capacity magazine. Okay, well, he's uh, he's wrong about that. Let's use our let's all get together and let's turn on the smart part of our brains for this conversation. Our brains have different different things and you know, we could be driven entirely by emotions and fear and all of that. We could just be driven by logic and reason. Why do we have the Second Amendment? We have the Second Amendment so we could defend ourselves against a tyrannical government. That is why we had it, because if the people weren't able to bear arms, if they weren't able to defend themselves, if they weren't able to form a militia. By the way, I, I love people on the left calling for the as well just in a militia. All the militias that are actually out there, you've decided are domestic terrorists. So, yeah, I'm not going to join a militia, but I'm pretty sure I got a group of friends that would hang out with me if such circumstance were to occur. What about all the other stuff that you have a right to? I mean, people on the left, they think you got a right to tons of stuff. And it's not exactly, they're not exactly things that existed when the Constitution was written, but somehow you have a right to all this stuff, I guess, like health care. Does that mean that you just got a right to like bloodletting and a whiskey and a good kick in the head? <laughs> I'm not sure. We all had a right to public schools, I bet, even free college. That's one of the things that we got rights to. There's no reason people should be able to buy airplanes. They didn't have airplanes. Okay. You shouldn't even be able to buy a car. You can, okay, you can freely travel. That's fine. But you better find yourself a good horse for that whole thing. Protests. I mean, now we're actually, we'll talk about the stuff that's in the Constitution. Free speech and protest. Yeah, but with posters, with writing on them, used using sharpies they didn't have sharpies assault markers you know how much you can write with a marker it's a high capacity marker right there you can't do that megaphones they didn't have any battery powered megaphones back then definitely fourth amendment doesn't cover any kind of online privacy it only covers your you know your persons your papers your effects that's that's really it that has nothing to do with like your phone or websites or any stuff like that. We just have people upset about the Miranda rights decision. Got the right to have this thing read to you when you're arrested. Okay. It says that you have the right to remain silent. You don't have to incriminate yourself. That's actually in the fifth amendment. You can do that, but the right for it to be read to you, that right didn't exist back then. I mean, all the other, think about all the rights that we have amazingly like affordable housing. You got a right to affordable housing. Retirement. We just did a $90 billion bailout of the union pensions. You got a right to that, of course. Social Security, you got that right. Also, the heck, working conditions, air conditioning. That's a, that's a assault cooling, if I've ever heard of it. High capacity cold air coming at you. Internet. You got people who got pushing for a right to broadband, high speed internet, of course got a right to that heck you've even got a right to having a backup camera in your new car but the founders they never intended for people to have new technology when it came to weapons you see they wanted you to be able to defend yourself against the tyrannical government if that government was using muskets but if the government developed new weapons that they could use in war 
um, then that government can do whatever the hell they want to you. You can still have that musket. That's really it. <sighs> okay, yeah, that's a pretty dumb argument, isn't it? Doesn't that all sound pretty dumb? It is dumb. That's why it's dumb bleep number six. Let's go on to dumb bleep number seven. Here's just a real quick thing about while we're talking about J.B. Prisker, he's commenting on the Highland Park shooting. Michael Besh, I don't know how to say that. Beshless? I don't care. From NBC News. He says, why did the Highland Park person of interest choose to drive after the mass murder to Wisconsin of all places? That's a good question, Michael. I hope you answer it for me. Any possibility that Highland Park person drove to Wisconsin after yesterday's atrocity and the knowledge that Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted of all charges after shootings there? Beschloss? Be... B. Schloss? <laughs> okay. Any possibility that the Highland Park shooter went to Wisconsin because he had seen that a guy just like him, Kyle Rittenhouse, was acquitted of all charges after the shootings there? You see, when they make these arguments, they actually that's because they actually think that what Kyle Rittenhouse did is the same thing as what this guy did. It's basically, Kyle Rittenhouse went to protest and started indiscriminately shooting innocent people. That's essentially what happened. There's no difference. Then there's the other thing. I mean, this guy's been doing the news for a while. He's like a presidential historian or something, too. But apparently he doesn't know that um, if you get arrested in Wisconsin, that doesn't mean that you go to court in Wisconsin. I'm going to bring you back to the place where you committed the crimes. But apparently this guy needs someone to tell him that. Okay, I just wanted to throw something pretty, pretty dumb. And that's number seven. Now, we're going to do another just kind of random dumb one. We'll play a video from the mayor of Philadelphia who's real upset about guns in the U.S. and throws out this great idea that, you know, the only people that should have guns are the police. Those are the only people, not the band. Uh, but the police, that's it. Those are the people that should have it. So let's hear from him. He's very upset because there was a shooting in Philadelphia where a couple cops were shot. I don't know if they ever actually found the person. I didn't look up on that uh, anymore afterwards. So, yeah, not Sting. This isn't Sting. Uh, he's not the. He doesn't think that only Sting should be allowed to have weapons or any other members of the band. Um, just the cops should have them. Let's hear from him. It was a laid back, chill day. Weather was beautiful. Concert was beautiful. Um, but we live in America and we have the Second Amendment and we have the Supreme Court of the United States telling everybody they can carry a gun wherever they want. It's like Dodge City. I mean, so like we have to come to grips with what this country is about right now. We had a beautiful day out there today, except for some nitwit, either shooting from a window or shooting from somewhere, who has a gun It probably shouldn't have had it. And that's, I mean, I was in Canada two weeks ago, never thought about a gun. The only people I knew had guns back up in Canada were police officers. And that's the way it should be here. But, I mean, look, in my lifetime, that's never going to happen. So, a lot, of, a lot of... Wait, hold on. Someone help me out. Only people who have guns in Canada are police officers. Can we, can we double check that real quick? I mean, I know you probably can't carry them everywhere, but 
Um, they don't have any gun violence in Canada, right? Goofballs out there with guns, and they can get them anytime they want. So this is what we have to live with. If I What's had, the mayor doing about If this? I had the ability to take care of guns, I would. But the legislature won't let us. The U.S. Congress won't let us. Um, the governor does the best he can. Our attorney general does the best he can. But this is a gun country. It's crazy. We're the most armed country in the world history, and we're one of the least safest. I am. I'm always. I'm concerned every single day. There's not an event or a day where I don't lay on my back at night, look at the ceiling, and wonder, worry about stuff. So everything we have in the city uh, at, over the last seven years, I worry about. I don't enjoy Fourth of July. I don't enjoy the the, the Democratic National Convention. I don't enjoy the the uh, um, uh, NFL draft. I'm waiting for something bad to happen all the time. So it's. I'll be happy when I'm not here. When I'm not mayor, and I can enjoy. Something. Thank you. Okay. He'll be happy when he's not married anymore. Some pretty easy solutions for that. I don't think he's being held in chains right there or anything. Um, but anyway, and just so you know, every major event where he's super worried about it, there's not a major event where he's not laying on his back looking at the ceiling worrying about things. <laughs> Doing some some great work over there, the mayor. Uh, so only the cops should have guns. Only the government officers should have guns, and that's how we're going to be safe. Now, that goes to this crazy idea uh, that somehow you're actually going to remove the guns from the streets. Uh, you're not going to. Not possible. Not going to happen. Uh, so then you'll only take the guns away from the law-abiding citizens. I know that this is a tired argument that everyone's sick of hearing, but that is the case. We've already got the 500 million guns or however many there are out there. Uh, and you're not going to get them back not going to happen. You can make your own guns out of some pipes. You can print your own guns. We're talking 500 million that they know about. There's probably a bunch more that they don't know about. It's not going to happen. But the only people who should be legally allowed to have the guns are the police and then the people who will illegally carry the guns and carry out whatever actions uh, they want to inflict on others. So that's great. Um, Listen, not to hate on the police, because they were a great band, but also not to hate on the cops. Um, police are rarely there at the time a situation occurs where a gun is very necessary. And in fact, some of the times when they are there, as we've seen recently, it's not exactly as if they do everything they can to protect from the loss of life. Once again, not a knock on the cops. Got to make sure they don't get killed also. And um, so they basically show up after a crime was committed and they write a report about it. And that's, that's what they do. What about when something is actually happening? Because once again, the people who don't care what the laws are, they'll still have guns. Plenty of guns to go around. They'll still have them. Um, so what's going to happen then? The cop's going to show up after the thing happened, and then they're going to write a report about it. And then they'll, they'll try and find the person. They could put the person in prison afterwards. But what if you were able to have a gun and you were able to actually stop yourself from getting murdered? Um, that seems like a pretty important thing. Okay, that is number eight. I just realized I have one that needs to come in 
that we need to talk about. Um, I guess we'll end up doing 11 today because who cares? So this is number nine. Okay, just to pick on some libertarians here for just just two minutes. Give me two minutes to pick on libertarians. We've had a problem for a long time, I think. Now, I think it's good to be pure in your libertarian views, but one of the things that libertarians lack is a strategy to actually work within the system that we have to fix the system eventually over time. They lack the strategy to be able to do that. Because if you do anything uh, that is not purely libertarian, well, then you're not a libertarian. You're just a statist. And this has led to massive success of libertarianism. Just been killing it. They're getting wins all over the place. No, it's actually led to uh, no wins, really, at all. And even some of the small wins we've been having on small government, well, those are still status wins in the first place. School vouchers are anti-libertarian. From the Future of Freedom Foundation, written by Jacob Hornberger. No offense. No offense meant through any of this, but this is the problem. This is why uh, libertarianism from real libertarians is, in my view, I'm sorry, unlikely to ever happen. We will all just go down with the ship while other people are driving. It stands to reason that conservatives would support school vouchers. That's because conservatives support reforming, not dismantling the welfare, warfare state way of life. That is true. But what's with libertarians who support school vouchers? Why do they support what is clearly an anti-libertarian program? The core principle of libertarianism is the non-aggression principle. We all know about the NAP, all right? Yet that's precisely what school vouchers entail. What he's talking about there is when someone declares himself libertarian, he implicitly or explicitly is saying that he will never support the initiation of force against another person. Yet that is precisely what school vouchers entail. The initiation of force against others. To collect the money that is used to fund the vouchers, the state initiates force against people in the form of tax collection. At the risk of belaboring the obvious, there is nothing voluntary about taxation. We all know that. Thus, the state initiates force against people to collect taxes and then uses the money to fund the vouchers. Okay, so the basic idea here is that school vouchers are paid for with tax money. Since we don't support taxation, then we can't support school vouchers. The obvious argument there is that school vouchers are not the end game. They are to make our current situation better. And he makes some good arguments for why... Um, why that doesn't work. But he wrote in 1990 that this was a futile attempt to make socialism work more efficiently. Basically, when you put this money into the voucher program, uh, you are allowing the private schools to get some of that funding, and also you're creating some competition for the public schools so they have to get better if they want to keep the students. They say that it gives choices to the recipients of the vouchers. Conservatives and conservative libertarians often refer to the voucher system as school choice. But the thief who steals someone else's money also now has choices in the same way that the voucher recipient does. Every libertarian would agree that the thief is not behaving in a libertarian manner. They're saying that the person who steals the money, they can make choices on what they're going to do with the money. That's actually not the best analogy that you could, because, that you could make 
because you are still giving some more choice to the people who had their money stolen from them. And the analogy he's giving, the thief gets to steal the money. And then when they decide the different ways that they are going to spend it, that is him exercising, him or her exercising choice and spending that money. The proper analogy would be that he steals all the money and then he asks all the people he stole the money from what they think he should put the money towards. So and anyhow, not the best analogy. Milton Friedman actually criticized him on this point, and then they went back and forth just a little bit when he wrote about this like 30 years ago. And I understand the point that he's making. What he says is that the places where we've had school choice, it's not exactly like they've dismantled their departments of education afterwards or anything. And he also says that the private schools who receive the voucher money are going to end up being beholden to the state. And actually, after they live off the voucher money for 20 or 30 years, they're not going to want to get rid of the tax money that they're receiving. I do understand that argument, but this, this is the problem. This is the situation that we're in. He talks about how 30 years after the adoption of the school choice in Milwaukee, the program has never transitioned to dismantling the state, state's educational system. Okay, but what has the Libertarian Party done in 50 years? What have real libertarians done in 50 years to fix the system? What is it? What's the thing that they did? Someone tell me what it is that they did to fix the system. So it is better than what we have. This is incremental change. We have a system that we are currently living with. We are currently living in. They take the money, they put it towards the terrible public schools. The public schools really have no incentive to do a good job and they have no competition, which would give them some incentive. And what would be good is if a private school pops up, the money that you are paying into the state could then just follow you towards where you want to go instead of going to that public school. It's not that crazy of an idea. I do wish that there was no taxation involved in it, and I would like to push towards that. But if we never take any steps towards fixing these systems, listen, what do you think is more likely? That we have some good private schools. Which one has the best outcome? We'll just figure this out. We do the voucher system. Uh, some of the private schools get some of the tax money funding instead of the public schools getting that tax money. The public schools are incentivized to do a better job so the people who go to those schools get a better education throughout this time. People get to go to the private schools and use some of their tax money that they pay, that they pay them to go to those public schools or to go to those private schools, sorry. And over time, we keep working on the end goal that we actually want, hopefully achieving it. Eventually, one thing that would help is that people would be getting a better education during that time. So you would have a smarter block of people as a generation goes by because they weren't all the stupids that the public education is uh, churning out. I went to a public school. Okay. Or here's the other solution that libertarians want. Let's get rid of the Department of Education and Taxation and all of it, the state education programs, the public schools. Let's get rid of them. And anything short of that, we're not doing it because anything short of that is statist. Now, the outcome of that is that nothing ever changes. That doesn't actually happen. We keep the system that we have right now. We keep funding the public schools. They do a terrible job. And people just keep getting dumber and dumber and voting for dumber and dumber ideas throughout that entire time. And eventually the country just crumbles and falls apart. And we end up living in Mad Max a little while later. That's not because that's the other alternative. What the alternative he's throwing out is that no, we need real libertarianism. We need to get rid of the Department of Education. We need to get rid of all this stuff. And then it's going to be gone and we're just going to be awesome. Everything's going to be good. But that's not going to happen. 
It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. It's not going to happen. Okay, that's Unbleat number nine. This is why libertarianism is not... It's not actually done anything except for the people who are working through the Republican Party to get things done. That's been the only moves in the correct direction that we've ever had. But if it's not all or nothing, then we're out of here. And I remember that I originally got real peeved about this whole idea when I really thought that Rand Paul would have been a great step in the proper direction when he was running in 2016. Was he his dad? No. Was he a real, true libertarian? I guess not. I guess not. I think probably at heart he is, but he knows that he can't actually enact any of that stuff. Um, and what I saw was a lot of libertarians really not supporting him because he wasn't as perfect as his dad, uh, who also was never elected president, by the way. He was just a state representative uh, for a long time and inspired a lot of people that eventually switched over to Bernie Sanders. Um, so that really peeved me about this whole thing. We need Rand Paul's in office for 20, 30, 40 years, and then we need Ron Paul types, Dave Smith types, those kind of people afterwards. But we're not just going to go straight to real libertarian. It's not going to happen. And if we go all or nothing, we're just going to get nothing. Next thing. Whew. Real dumb. Number 10. This one's so dumb that, the, that it's actually been removed. But luckily, I was able to find it. The benefits of world hunger from the United Nations. And this was apparently an originally an older article, I believe, and it started making the rounds. A lot of people talking about it. I viewed it three or four days ago, and then I went to grab it today for the episode, and it was gone. 404, page not found on the United Nations website. So it's gone. The benefits of world hunger. Luckily, the Wayback Machine caught it, and you can still find this article. We sometimes talk about hunger in the world as if it were a scourge that all of us want to see abolished, viewing it as, a compar as comparable with the plague or AIDS. But that naive view prevents us from coming to grips with what causes and sustains hunger. Hunger has great positive value to many people. Indeed, it is fundamental to the working of the world's economy. Hungry people are the most productive people, especially where there is a need for manual labor. Now, this guy's actually coming from the Marxist worldview, by the way. He's not actually arguing in favor of keeping people hungry. He's talking about the reason why people are hungry, and that's because we need to keep people hungry so they will do these crappy jobs that no one else will do. If it weren't for that, then everyone would have food, magically. We are in developed countries sometimes we in developed countries sometimes see poor people by the roadside holding up signs saying we'll work for food. Actually, most people work for food. It is mainly because people need food to survive, that they work so hard, either in producing food for themselves or by selling their services to others in exchange for money. How many of us would sell our services if, they were not, if it were not for the threat of hunger? If it were not for the natural biology and physiology of every animal that exists on the planet, how many of us would do this? 
More importantly, how many of us would sell our services so cheaply if it were not for the threat of hunger? When we sell our services cheaply, we enrich others. We enrich those people who own the factories, the machines, and the lands. And those people ultimately own the people who work for them. For those who depend on the availability of cheap labor, hunger is the foundation of their wealth. For those who depend on the availability of cheap labor, hunger is the foundation of their wealth. Because if people weren't having the work to make sure they could provide food for themselves, then they would not do these jobs. The conventional thinking is that hunger is caused by low-paying jobs. We need to understand that hunger, at the same time, causes low-paying jobs to be created. You see, it's not that hunger is caused by low-paying jobs. Actually, the hunger itself, that's why we have low-paying jobs. You know, because if you don't work, then you're going to starve. Who would have established massive biofuel production operations in Brazil if they did not know there were thousands of hungry people desperate enough to take the awful jobs they would offer? Who would build any sort of factory if they did not know that people, many people would be available to take the jobs at low pay rates? Much of that hunger literature talks about how it's important to assure that people are well-fed so they can be more productive. That is nonsense. No one works harder than hungry people. Yes, people who are well-nourished have greater capacity for productive physical activity, but well-nourished people are far less willing to do that work. You see, if you get too much food, you're not going to do hard work. The non-governmental organization Free the Slaves defines slaves as people who are not allowed to walk away from their jobs. It estimates there are 27 million slaves in the world. However, they do not include people who might be described as slaves to hunger. That is, those who are free to walk away from their jobs but have nothing better to go to. Maybe most people who work are slaves to hunger. For those of us at the high end of the social ladder, ending hunger globally would be a disaster. If there were no hunger in the world, who would plow the fields? Who would harvest our vegetables? Who would clean our toilets? Why are you harvesting vegetables if hunger isn't a problem? We would have to produce our own food. And clean our own toilets. There were. <laughs> There's only one, like two more sentences left. No wonder people at the high end are not rushing to solve the hunger problem. For many of us, hunger is not a problem, but an asset. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. I'm trying to let that soak into my brain, but I'm also trying to make sure it doesn't soak in too deep because I don't want it to get stuck in there. So I'm going to try and think deeply about this, but in a way that I can immediately forget about it. So that's what I want to do. First off, I'll just go first off, solving world hunger. Now, this assumes that there will be enough food grown to sustain every person on the planet. But how is the food grown and distributed to all of those people throughout the planet. That is done by people farming or doing jobs packing the food or taking care of the food, they pick the food, distribute the food, working in different distribution facilities, all of this stuff. There's a lot of places where you can't grow food there. It's got to deal with all that. But you would be able to, 
first off, if we didn't have hunger, then you wouldn't be able to get anyone to do any of these low-paying jobs that no one else wants to do. And you would definitely be able to solve world hunger, right? It's just that we don't want to do it. But how would you solve world hunger if there weren't all of the people doing all of that work, growing all of the food? The problem is with trying to analyze this article and trying to make sense out of it is that it doesn't make any sense. The guy was clearly high AF as he was writing it. That's the only thing I can come up with. It's like that thing, you know, when people are high, they're like, oh my God, it's mind blowing, man. That's such great. Oh, dude, listen to this, man. It's the greatest thing. This is the greatest freaking peanut butter I've ever had in my entire life. Peanut butter was made by people who were high making stuff for people to eat when they were high, man. That's what this is. And so trying to come up with what the heck this guy is talking about, it's very difficult because it doesn't make any sense. Man, it was high. He got the, had the munchies. <laughs> he was high. That's a great point there. Guy clearly was high, had the munchies, and was writing about hunger because he didn't have any food. And he was like, I'm going to have to go work, I guess. And then he had this just epiphany thing just popped up in his mind. Okay, so hungry people are more productive. We got all that in there. People who work are slaves to hunger. So we have to solve that hunger problem because, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, you're working because you're a slave to hunger. So we have to solve that hunger problem by using the labor of a bunch of other people that would just magically still do all of those jobs, even though they don't have to worry about hunger either. You know, they don't, right? They don't have to worry about it. So why would they do that job? They don't have to work to sustain themselves, to stay alive, to eat food. So why are they doing that job? There's just no reason for them to do that job anymore. But we're still going to solve hunger by doing that because you can just press a button and then everyone's going to have food. I want to thank the sponsor for today's show. That's our friend Mikel Thurup of the Expat Money Show. You've probably heard him on this podcast before. That's back on episode 330. And if you're one of the many people who are considering exploring life in another country, you absolutely have to subscribe to the Expat Money Show. Whether it's foreign residencies, second passports, asset protection, or protecting your money from the tyranny of taxation, there is no better resource than the Expat Money Show. I mean that, seriously. This is the guy to go to. Mikkel has spent over 20 years traveling the world, visiting more than 100 countries, while living in nine different countries over that time. He can help you legally eliminate your tax bill and travel the world in the process. So subscribe to the Expat Money Show today, available on all the podcast apps, YouTube, or you can find the episodes over at expatmoneyshow.com. And by the way, he's got a great online summit coming up that I'm going to put the link in the show notes to as well. A bunch of different experts who are going to show you all the benefits of living the expat lifestyle, the best ways to do it, how we can actually live a free libertarian lifestyle. That does sound pretty good. So go over to the expatmoneyshow.com and find all the links in the show notes. This hunger article, that's a real piece of work. Real piece of work. You're slaves to hunger. To fix that, you're going to have to enslave a lot of people to create your food because they clearly wouldn't work if they didn't need to work to get food, but they're still going to work to provide food to everyone else since that's the driving force behind people doing work. Um, yeah. That's uh that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not
This reminds me of, there's a Milton Friedman story that he told. I know because I was editing some Milton Friedman videos the other day. He talks about this guy he was talking to in Poland. And he says that uh, socialism can be, we'll have socialism when every man in Poland has a house and two servants. It's this kind of logic here. Let me, let me play it real quick. And so he said as follows to us. He said, you know, he said, I used to believe in socialism. I still do. But socialism is an ideal. We can't have it in the real world, he said, until we're rich enough to be able to afford it. And he said, socialism will be practical when every man in Poland has a house and two servants. And I said to him, including the servants? And he said, yes. I don't know why, but it reminds me of that clip. It'll be practical when every man in Poland has a house and two servants, including the servants? Yes. One more thing that I was going to cover that I completely forgot about until I was going through all the different tabs here on my browser. Oh, it has to do with Gavin Newsom and his advertisement that he ran in Florida. He is the governor of California. That He ran in Florida trying to get people to come move to California. And he said one thing that I thought was really dumb. It's Independence Day. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Paid for by Newsom for California Governor 2022. You guys know California. Well known for all of its freedom. Really well known. Very free state of California. Extremely free. He said one thing in there that really bothers me, but, um, you know, California, they never attack any freedom, any freedoms. None of those freedoms at all. You have freedom of speech and freedom from hate in California. At the same time, both of those, the same time, freedom of speech and freedom from hate. I know what you're thinking. Nate, that makes perfectly logical sense. There's nothing conflicting about that viewpoint at all. How do you have freedom from hate? How does anyone have freedom from hate? Is that even possible? Freedom from no one can hate? What the hell is he talking about, y'all? So number 11 is going to go to Gavin Newsom. Spending money, spending campaign money to run advertisements as the California governor to run his Gavin Newsom for governor campaign money, spending that in Florida, trying to advertise to a bunch of people who just left California because of all the freedoms that they had had taken away from them and running an advertisement about move to the free state of California. That is amazing. Let's get those votes going. Um, let's see. Costco put a number 11 in there. Great, Costco. We'll put this number 12, Gavin Newsom. Everyone go get your votes in. Go to the Dumb Leap of the Week channel. Go do it. I'm going to give you all a couple minutes to get those votes in. Go do it. The color neutral thumbs up is the only one that will count. While we are doing that, I'm going to give you a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. 
That's right. BetterHelp. Our sponsor. BetterHelp.com slash GML. Okay. I know you've been hearing us talk about them for a long time, but taking care of your brain is pretty darn important. I don't know if you know it right now, but you're using your brain and you use your brain quite a bit. And this is, as far as we know, the only brain that you're going to get. I don't think we've developed the technology yet. Elon Musk is probably working on it, but this is the only brain that you're going to get. So why not take care of it? I'll tell you this. If you're dealing with a bunch of problems in your life that do have some solutions, if you just solve some of those problems, uh, then you should look towards solving those problems. You don't have to be unhappy for forever. Okay, you can go talk to someone. And if you're, if anything else needed some maintenance, you know, your car, if you were going to keep the same one your entire life, you'd probably take good care of it. All right, the way that our brains are working, the way that our mind works, that's going to experience, that's going to affect our entire experience for our life, the one life that we have, as far as we know. I've talked to therapists before. It's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Charlie uses BetterHelp. He uses it on a weekly basis, has phone calls with his therapist from BetterHelp. All right. I actually have a lot better life now because of the time I spent talking to a few different people. All right. And Charlie is enjoying his time with BetterHelp as well. So this is an online therapy. You can do video. You can do calls. You can do live chat therapy sessions. So you don't actually have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy for sure. You could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. All right. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash GML. That's betterhelp.com slash GML. All right. What votes did we get? What did we get on the Dumb Leap of the Week? The benefits of hunger. That's what's going to win. Dumb Leap of the Week is the UN benefits of hunger. And I love that they deleted the article. They probably have no idea that you can still find the articles afterwards. Um, it still exists, everyone. It's It's been, and now you've made it worse because when I searched it, there's just a bunch of articles talking about how the UN deleted this article from their website and giving it even more press. So it's not going to work, y'all. The benefits of hunger written by someone who was super high and had the munchies. And the UN still published it. So that's great. All right, everyone. If you enjoyed today's show, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children that they need to listen to Good Morning Liberty on a daily basis, every day of the week, when we want to. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Smash that follow, the subscribe, the like, the buttons that tell the algorithms that this is worth other people's time. If you do all of that, and I mean all of it, then we... We'll be back on Monday. Everyone stay safe out there. Have a good weekend. Until next time, y'all have a good weekend and a good morning, Liberty.